Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hey, hey, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you so much for pulling your chair up to the cool kids table. I started this show with the hope of bringing really interesting interviews with people who are doing unique things in the world, who are entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, business leaders, people with just that entrepreneurial spark, even if they're inside a company. Because I think when we surround ourselves with people who are doing really good stuff and they're successful, I think what we discover is that success leaves clues. So we are what now over 400 episodes. I think this is episode number 409, and we have uh, hopefully delivered on that for the last four years, and today is going to be no different. But before I get started with today, let me thank the first sponsor of this episode. So many of you, a lot of you, offer physical products to your fans and your customers, But dealing with that physical stuff and shipping it out, that can be a big pain, and it steals your precious time. We all know people who have to go to the post office and stand in line to mail a whole bunch of boxes. I always get behind those people. Well, my friends at Amplifier, they blend order fulfillment, screen printing, and on-demand production into a single self-service platform that you control. They can integrate your e-commerce shop and also help you with your free online giveaway campaigns. They are great for large powerhouse companies as well as entrepreneurs who are just starting out. And on-demand means no inventory risk. But as you grow and you want to stock up on inventory, Amplifier can handle it all for you. Jump over to amplifier.com slash cool things and sign up today. So today I am going to interview Susan Shepard. Now, Susan is someone who I met at the New Media Summit, and we sat down in the lobby of the hotel where this was taking place and had a little bit of a chat. And what I really liked about Susan is she called it like it is, she didn't hold punches, and she was straightforward of the fact that she had been a nurse for a long time, and now she works for herself. But here's the deal. She's 75 years old, and she's not slowing down. And I think a lot of people worry. I know I'm 52. A lot of my friends, when they turned 50, they thought, oh, we've reached the end. And I came up with a personal motto that was I was going to make age 50 to 75 the best years of my life. And then I met Susan, and she's like, 75? We're just getting started. So Susan Shepard, welcome to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you, Tom. It's a pleasure to be here and chat with you. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't do long bios that people's PR people write. So why don't you tell everybody, who is Susan Shepard today, and what do you do? And then maybe we'll explore a little bit of your background. Okay, well, today I'm basically, um, I'm retired from nursing. Um, I I was, I've been a nurse for 54 years. And um, I was 17 when I went to nursing school and 20 when I graduated. And I worked in the hospital until 2005. Wow. In the emergency department. Oh, my gosh. So you're not just a nurse. You're You're a nurse in high pressure situations. Yeah, I think I'm a bit of an adrenaline junkie. <laughs> I think I still am, unfortunately. Uh, my, my kids keep telling me, Mother, you're supposed to be retired. And I'm like, um, well, what does that mean, re- being retired? Because They say it's um, just I, getting refired, right? Just firing I, well, up. I'm, I'm busier now than I ever was when I had a job. And I always had a job and a business. Mm. Pretty much 
from 1975 on when my kids were finally, well, actually I had a baby in 78, so <laughs> I still had a baby too. Surprise. So. <laughs> That's all right. Um, having, having those those later life babies, I was that. My parents were 40 and 52 when I was born and they had three teenagers. Surprise. Yeah, well, I, I, I was only 36 at the time, but <laughs> I was planning on going to medical school and then I got pregnant. So I said, well, I guess I won't go to medical school. <laughs> so tell but, us about um, your business I, now. Well, what I do now is um, I just save lives a different way. I, um, I actually fix people's broken hearts and help them when they're stuck to move forward in their life. I, I'm NLP certified and hypnosis certified. I have more certifications than you can possibly imagine. Um, I could probably paper an entire room with all the certifications I have, which I, I, that, that's, not, that's not about bragging. It's really about this um, unquenchable thirst for knowledge that I have that I just can't stop learning because I see something new and it's like, oh, I want to know about that. I want to know about that. Oh, wait, let me. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's sort of a shiny object syndrome, too. So, <laughs> I, <laughs> so let's talk about let's talk about that business. How do you help people? Um, well, the the main clients that I've had for the past probably, oh, it's probably been at least 25 years that I've been doing this. I mean, I've done other things along with it, but I've been coaching um, people in their relationships. And primarily, the ones I work with are the single ones who have had their hearts broken and um, are really afraid to try again. And what I do with them is I do a lot of work to heal them and grow their self-esteem and, um, and teach them who they have to be in order to attract who they want. Hmm. Interesting. So you've been doing this now for a long time. Uh, what is it that you love about the entrepreneurial life maybe versus, you know, the, the having the scheduled life of an emergency room nurse? Oh, the freedom. Absolutely. The freedom is is really attractive to me. It's probably my number one value is freedom. And that's not having anybody tell me what I have to do when. Um except myself and I'm I'm a terrible slave driver actually. <laughs> I I make myself do a whole lot more than anyone else ever made me do. <laughs> so these these people you coach are they people of all ages are they people who are getting a little more senior what's your typical client? Um I actually have a couple different groups. I have women between the ages of 30 and 40 whose uh, biological clock is ticking and they've never been married and they want to have kids and they are like, oh my God, I'm running out of time mm -hmm. <clears throat> and they want to get married. So I have a whole bunch of those. I have the one, women who are 55 up to 80 even who are just lonely and don't want to be alone and want a relationship and preferably, preferably they want a relationship with a man. And um, that one's more challenging because there's fewer men around that age. And then I have the men from 40 to 60 and really the 40 to 55 who want to get married and have kids. And they're a weird group. You know, the, the men are, they're really different. You know, I coach men much differently than I coach women. 
Interestingly, interesting. So, so you have a dog that's barking in the background, and I'm not going to let that bother me, but uh, don't let it bother you. I noticed you made a face because the dog was, <laughs> was yelping. I think it just makes the interview more real. If we were in your living room having coffee, the dog would be barking. So, uh, Okay. We'll I apologize, though. Hey, that, that, that's all right. A lot of my audience loves dogs. So, okay. So. She's good. She's just noisy. <laughs> <laughs> so for people who might be getting a little more seniored as, as I am and, and, and many people are who think, oh my gosh, I'm getting the end of my career. Maybe I'm, you know, I might get laid off or I have to retire, but they don't want to stop. What advice do you have for people at that age? Because you're sitting at a, an interesting vantage point at 75 and still you know, driving yourself seriously uh, to, to be a producer. What advice do you have for people who, who want to keep working? Write a book. <laughs> really, uh, that's a huge inspiration to people if they actually think about, well, what could I, what could I, what kind of knowledge could I give to the younger people in the world? You know, what, what kind of legacy can I leave? And the write a book thing is, is really, it's not so much about actually writing a book. It's about thinking about what it is that you've contributed to the world and what kind of a difference that you've made and recognize that everybody's made a difference. Everyone has made a difference in some way or another. And that's so interesting because I was, I was having a, a lunch with a friend of mine who's much younger. He's about 30. And, you know, like a lot of people at that age right now, I think he, he just feels lost. And I asked him, I said, what are you great at? And he couldn't answer the question at lunch. And I told him he didn't have to answer the question at lunch, but I know what the answer is, and there's things that, that, that he can share, but he has to get comfortable in that. So you think that that's, if you can really sort of self-explore of, of what do I know, what am I great at, that'll lead you to what it is that you can start a business in. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, I've tried to quit coaching <laughs> at least 25 times in the 25 years I've been doing it. <laughs> And every time I say, okay, I'm done. I don't want to listen to any more whiny women or, you know, super aggressive men. And I just want to, you know, do something else. And I try to quit. And then someone will come along and say, can you help me? This is what I need. And lately, actually, the most recent person who showed up was someone who was married who said, I just got married in March, and I'm having a terrible time. I, I'm not happy. I don't know what's going on. Can you help me? And I'm like, sure, let's talk. And I ended up, you know, really doing a couple of VIP days with her. And, and ultimately, she realized that she'd made a mistake. And, and this was her second marriage. But she married for the wrong reasons, which is what happens to most people. Uh, I used to do couples all the time and I quit doing couples because they all got divorced because I made them tell the truth about what they wanted and what they wanted wasn't what they had. And so when they would tell the truth about why they got married and what they were doing in this relationship, they would realize that they didn't belong in that relationship. So then they get divorced. So I quit doing couples because I didn't want to increase the divorce rate. I wanted to decrease it. <laughs> So, so if your first advice is to, to write a book and sort of discover what you're good at, then what do people do? Do something. Do anything. Take action. Really. Um, uh, my first, I don't know if it was my first entrepreneurial thing, but I uh, probably, I became a nurse because my dad told me I had to. <laughs> 
I wanted to be an engineer. And he said, no daughter of mine is going to be an engineer. And that was back in the 50s, you know, and they wouldn't even let me take mechanical drawing in high school. Um, the school board said, no way. I mean, if you think that's just, you know, that's just a single lifetime ago. Where I now know. at my daughter's school, they pride themselves in the fact that they're, it's an all girls school and it's all about STEM, right? It's all, yeah. it's all, it's all STEM training. It's so, so different now. But honestly, when I was in high school, I wanted to take mechanical drawing and the school board said, absolutely not. No way. The only reason you want to do that is so you can hang out with the boys. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, okay. So then my dad said, well, you can be a teacher or a nurse. That's the only thing I'll allow you to do. And I'm like, well, I certainly don't want to be a teacher, but I like people and I like science. So maybe I could be a nurse. So I figured you know, I out. Find, I got to stop you. I find that very interesting because your natural kind of sort of gut reaction. And I could see, because we're doing this, this interview on video, there was conviction. I didn't want to be a teacher. And yet, Susan, what are you now? I'm a teacher. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to point that out. <clears throat> well, I didn't want to be an elementary school teacher. <laughs> ah, Let's put there it you that go. Way. <laughs> <laughs> now, now that we're going to give you credit for. I wouldn't want to do that either. <laughs> or a high school teacher, <laughs> you know. But ultimately, uh, it was crazy the the way that I became a nurse. Uh, um, I, I just to show you the difference in the way the times are. You know, uh, my parents had, I'm the oldest of six, three girls and three boys. And my parents took insurance policies out on us when we were babies. $1,000 policies for the girls that would mature to be $2,000 so that we could get married. And $10,000 policies for the boys that would mature to be 20000 so they could get an education. <laughs> and that kind of made me mad. <laughs> So what I did was I figured out that I could actually go to nursing school at Northwestern University for three years, year-round, room and board included, for $2,000. So <laughs> I went to nursing school, even though I hated it. I went there because it was my way out. Hmm. That's, that's fascinating. And that is so interesting that, you know, I mean, it's just one person's lifetime ago that that was the world we live in. That wasn't, I mean, your parents weren't bad people. No, that, that, was, that just, was normal. That was just the way it was. And I think, I think sometimes we have to remember that we have to take things in context because people hear a story like that and they're like, oh, how horrible that her parents did that. But you know, <laughs> it, it wasn't horrible. It was, that was their survival. It was the way that, you know, things look when you have six kids, you got to figure out how to get them all taken care of. <laughs> So anyway, oh, so no, so I was going to say, so for, for older people who, who want to be entrepreneurial, I liked where you were saying, just go do something, right? I, I think at any age, just do it. Try new things has become one of my big mottos. And I actually have shirts printed up that say, try new things. And when I wear that shirt and I walk through the airport, people of all ages stop me and they're like, great shirt. And what fascinates me is how many people who are 75 years old stop me and say, I love your shirt. Because the ones who, you know, when you, when you get to your age, you sort of either get it or you don't. And the ones yeah. who get what I mean by try new things, they, they get really excited about it. I had one person, she stopped me and said, can I, buy, can I buy that? And I said, yes, I can sell you some. And she's like, I have to have them for my college age grandchildren. She's like, because that's the message. She goes, I could, didn't put it as succinctly, but that's what I've been trying to tell them. So you're saying just just go do. What happens if they, they try to start something and it doesn't work? Are they going to get disappointed? What do they do then? Well, you know, failure is the road to success. I mean, I've participated in starting 12 businesses so far. 
and they are all over the map. They're everything you could possibly imagine. Um, I sold waterbed sheets and recruited geologists for the oil companies and built custom houses and, and, um, I have a movie production company and I own a radio station and I publish books and, you know, I remodel houses. I I want everybody to go back and just think what you said when you started this sentence. And that is, I've started 12 businesses so far. Right. And and yet so (laughs) many people, so many people half your age want to do it and they they haven't pulled the trigger to start just one and you're 75 and you're so you know i've done that so far something tells me i could interview you in 15 years and you'd be 90 and you'd be like you know well i've started 16 businesses so far <laughs> well, my plan you know is to live to be 150 i've been saying that forever <laughs> well good good luck i don't know if they figured that one out yet but but well, you know, they'll, they'll figure it out before i get there <laughs> so so my father passed away five years ago at the age of 99 and up until until about the last year, he was still pretty with it. And people asked him, I mean, he wasn't an entrepreneur. He wasn't, from the time he retired, he didn't do stuff like that. But they asked him why he was able to be so spry at 94. And he was a widower and he had four or five girlfriends at a time and he golfed a couple days a week until he was, all this till he was 94. He bowled, uh, you know, he had a little medical setback at 94 and, you know, we, he moved into a home, but it didn't stop him. It just slowed him down a little bit. But he was still with it and people asked him why. And he goes, I try to learn something new every day. And so in his case, it wasn't entrepreneurial, but it was he would look in the paper or he learned how to go online. He called the whole Internet the Google, but he would go online and read the Google and uh, find something he'd never done. And he said if he couldn't find anything else, he'd just open to any passage of the Bible because there was always a lesson somewhere. And he said that, that just doing things kept his mind sharp. So do you think your sort of entrepreneurial uh, attitude on into your 70s and beyond, do you think that's going to be one of the things that keeps you young? Well, that is in my other mantra, which has always been my, it's always been my, my reason for changing what I'm doing is when something stops being fun, I quit doing it. Interesting. So let's, let's explore that a little bit. So what can people learn from that? Do you think that that's something we suffer from in our society is that we've got our ladder against the wrong wall and we just keep going, whether it sucks or not? Absolutely. I think that's what people do. That's why people are stuck in their mediocrity. So, so how do people learn to quit when it's not fun? Well, you know, the crazy thing is, is that I've always just quit. I just quit, you know, I'll just quit a job and go get another one. Um, But I've never had a problem finding another job if I wanted a job, you know, being a nurse, you're in demand, really. Well, and, and no matter what you do, if you're good. You can always get work. Well, true. I mean, you can go work at Walmart and, you know, have it be fun. You know, be a greeter at Walmart. I've got a 21-year-old daughter who doesn't necessarily know exactly what she wants to do. She did. She went into college with a very clear focus and then met the people who are going to do what she wanted to do. And she was like, oh, that's not me. I I don't want that. But (laughs) her secret weapon, and if she was here, I would say, what's your secret weapon? And she knows what it is. Her secret weapon is her work ethic. And so, you know, whatever she decides to do, if she really wants to do it, get out of her way. And I've always said that if you have a good work ethic, it doesn't matter what you do. If you, if you can flick the switch, you know, you'll, you'll be fine in whatever you go and do. Oh, I, I totally agree. I think the work ethic is, is significantly important. And um, I, I have three daughters, and um, 
they were they were always really funny. They all started out being waitresses, and they they would say, "Mom, I hate this job," and I'd say, "Well, quit, get another one," you know. And they would say, "Well, well, but I don't have another job." I said, "You'll find one," you know. Go find something you love doing, and and do it, you know, whatever that is. So, at people at all ages, when they start something new, we get all excited about the potential that it has. Whether it's our own business venture or we see our friend doing it, we say, oh, they have so much potential. And yet, very few people make it very far across that gap between potential and results. It's a small number of people who really go a long way across that gap. What do you think the delta is between the people who really succeed and those who kind of fall into the gap? Well, being an entrepreneur is a very lonely and challenging thing to do. And I think that that most entrepreneurs, they have that picture. Have you ever seen that picture where there's a guy dig- digging a tunnel and he stops three feet from gold and, the, and somebody comes along underneath him and just goes right past and finds the gold? Mm-hmm. I, I think that it, it's that mindset that you have to keep going until you absolutely know that you can't get where you're going. I, I mean, you know? that's been that's been a thing in my life when I when I started my career as a, as a professional speaker. You know, I wasn't making very much money and, and someone close to me said, when do you quit? And I said, well, even if I go get a job, I'm still going to speak. I, lo- I love what I do. I mean, I, it's when I speak to an audience, you know, uh, meeting planners and even audience members will come up and go, wow, you really like what you do. And, and I knew this 10 years ago. And somebody said, well, when do you quit? And I said, I know one thing is true. 100% of the people who quit never make it full time. Mm-hmm. doing this as, as a living. And so I just I just kept going. And, and throughout my career, I've had points where I've hit plateaus or even dips. And I just remind myself, you know, next year is going to be a better year. And I just keep going. And, and, and there is something to be said for that. Uh, it can be scary when you have the, the shit hit the fan. But I think that you still, you just got to keep plotting through. And that's why my advice to people, and it's kind of what you said before, is find something you love to do because it's easier to get through the, sh- the shit storm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of rough spaces, a lot of rough times when you're being an entrepreneur, when things don't go the way you think they're supposed to go, or the way you planned for them to go, or the way you were hoping they would go. <laughs> and when they don't go that way, it's like, oh, S, well, now what do I do? <laughs> All right, Susan, I got a couple more questions for you. But first, I have to thank the other sponsor of this episode. So this episode right. is brought to you. This episode's brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of starting your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you'll sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing really cool people like Susan Shepard. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know that some of you do, Jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So, Susan, I call the show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. What's the coolest entrepreneurial thing you're doing right now? Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm actually thinking about going in a completely different direction with my coaching, oh. I, which is pretty cool. I... Um, uh, recently, like I said, I, I had a client who was married and, and I realized that there's an awful lot of married people out there who are existing in their relationships and really should have a lot more joy 
and and so I'm I'm actually thinking about going in that direction for a while instead of just with the singles and um, and I am starting a podcast. You know, <laughs> there you go. Well, I, jump look, over I've to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer. Oh, no. <laughs> I've got the, I've got the cans and I've got the microphone Yep. and, um, um, I actually have my youngest daughter has had a radio show for four years and she's been telling me for four years, mom, you need a podcast. And so when I went to new media and I heard that from everyone, I went, okay, I surrender. I guess I'll just do a podcast. Nice. That's good. That's good. Well, we'll be excited. To, we'll be excited to hear about that when it comes out. So, I'm not sure what I'm going to call it. Uh, getting what you want is the name of my company, and and maybe we'll just call it that. There you go. Well, I want to get what I want, so that's a good that's a good name. I'd tu- I'd tune into that show. <laughs> so I ask everyone who comes on the show who they admire out there in the entrepreneur world because I think that entrepreneurs are great observers. So when you look out there, who do you say, "Wow, she or he, they're doing cool stuff." Well. You know, even though I might have some ambivalent feelings about it, I think Laura Langmeyer is somebody I really admire because Why is that? she she's not afraid to tackle anything. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's that's something I actually admire about her. I mean, she's she's gone into every possible kind of business. She had a pizza place when I first met her. Um, she's bought and sold businesses. She does oil and gas. And, and I think even currently she's into cannabis somehow. Not sure exactly how she's doing that, but she is, you know, she can be kind of ruthless at times, but I think that's what it takes to be an entrepreneur is you have to be so driven that nothing gets in your way. I'm trying to learn that. That's something that uh, that's sort of on my my own list is, is just, you know, not necessarily ruthless, but but how do I let nothing get in my way? And, and yeah, I'm, 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 I'm not success. real good at that either. I, I, I get distracted pretty easily. Squirrel. So, yes. <laughs> so, so the last question I ask everybody is, what do you do to give back to the greater good? Because I think as entrepreneurs, we have an ability to really impact society. So so what do you do? Well, I give to children. Um I have a, I worked at Children's Hospital for many, many years, and I have donated to some, some of the things that do um, um, surgery for, for children, you know, the, the kids that are born with cleft lips and palates and things like that, I have donated to that, and, and that is something that I absolutely believe that, you know, kids deserve a chance to be who they are. Now, I don't know if we talked about this when I met you, but my charity is two endowment funds to two children's hospitals, both in Austin and San Diego, called the Kate Singer Endowment for Cranial Facial Surgery and Research. I didn't know that. I don't know that we talked when you said kids born with cleft. I I perked up. So my daughter was born with craniosynostosis. And so she had the sagittal suture was, was sutured. So for those who don't know, a cranial facial abnormality can either be bone or soft tissue. So we think right. of cleft is one thing because that's soft tissue uh, issues, but then it can also be deformities in the in the bones, how they fuse together at the wrong times. And our daughter had to have the top of her skull removed when she was six months old. And mm-hmm. uh, we started, we wanted to find our way to give back. And we picked the children's hospital in our city, which was new, uh, built after Kate was born. And we picked the children's hospital where Kate was operated on. And that's actually what the TED Talk that I did several months ago is all about. It's called The Art of Giving Small. Because we've never given a giant check 
to either of these two foundations, but the combined amounts that we've given and raised and how they've grown is over $70,000, which anybody walked into a charity and said, here's $70,000, they'd, they'd take them to dinner. So, yep. uh, so we call it the art of giving small because we did $50 checks, $100 checks, $500 checks. So if you, Susan, or anybody else wants to hear a little bit more about that, you can go to tomsinger.com slash TEDx. And uh, I've got the whole story. And, and by the way, Kate today is fabulous. Oh, that's awesome. So, yeah, I, um, I absolutely believe that kids deserve a chance. And I've, I, I want to write a series of children's books teaching them about relationship and how to do it right. Well, to begin and, with. well, I think that's important because a lot of people don't don't have that. I have a young friend who's struggling now in his 30s and he didn't have the example at home. And he and I were talking. I said, yeah, I did. You know, I, I can't relate to, to that. But but he never had a he didn't have a, anybody sort of show him how that should work. And so it's like, you know, that's, I think, an important thing because not everybody gets that in their family. So I think that's a great thing that you're working on. Well, the only time that I didn't work in the ER when I was a nurse was the three years that I opened and trained a bunch of pediatric nurses and uh, pediatric um, uh, pediatric section of, of a general hospital. And we specialized in endocrine and neurosurgical problems. And so we did a lot of hydrocephalus babies and... Um, um, I worked with a neurosurgeon there and, um, and, and a pediatric endocrinologist. And I did that for three years, and then I went back to ER. <laughs> well, see, there's, there's always synergies when I interview people, and you never know where that's going to come from. So, yeah, we, uh, Kate had Well, that both, was a surprise. I didn't know you did that. Yeah, Kate had both a uh, pediatric neurosurgeon and a pediatric plastic surgeon uh, conduct her surgery. And then until she was 12 or 13, she had to visit them every year because they wanted to make sure that everything was, was good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kate's now 16. A uh, couple months ago, but the day before we recorded this, so the day before the actual today, uh, this won't air for like four or five weeks, but but the actual kick out her driver's license yesterday, and she's beautiful and she's precocious, and you know she has no no problems from what she went through as a kid, but it was pretty scary as a parent to have them remove yeah. your kid's skull. It is scary, you know, and and you know working at Children's Hospital, I I spent a great deal of time um, doing crisis intervention. And I think that the crisis intervention part of my emergency room career has really contributed significantly to the kind of coach that I've been able to be. That's awesome. Well, Susan, if someone's listening to the show and they think, I've got to know more about this person, there's no way she's 75 years old. How do they find you? Um, I have a website. It's called gettingwhatyouwant.com which is spelled exactly the way it sounds, gettingwhatyouwant.com. Awesome. And um, I'm in Southern California. I, I live in Glendale, which is outside of Los Angeles. And uh, I'm, I'm pretty visible on Facebook and LinkedIn, and they can find me, you know. Awesome. It's That's just, just look, and I'm willing to have a conversation with anybody that wants to talk to me. That's great. About anything that they're struggling with or stuck on or have any relationship issues, whatever. <laughs> they want to have a conversation with me, I'm willing to talk. Awesome. Well, if you're listening and you want to know more about Susan Shepard, reach out to her and find her on the social medias uh, or at gettingwhatyouwant.com. Hey, Susan, thanks for being a guest here on the show and sharing your story. Thank you so much, Tom, for having me. And don't let anything stop you. You know, 75 is just um, a new birth. <laughs> I got to get through I got to get through 52 to 75. I'll, I'll cross that bridge when I get to it. I got, I got a long <laughs> way to go. 
Hey, and thank you to everybody who who tuned in. I say it every episode. If it wasn't for the audience, we wouldn't have a show. So keep tuning in. If this is the first time you've ever listened, uh, we have 408 other shows you can go back and hear, uh, or you can tune in every Tuesday or Thursday where a new show comes along. Uh, I'm going to challenge all of you, though. In the meantime, between now and your next show, go try something new. And while you're doing it, have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.